Yo, 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 what's up? Welcome to the podcast, Satsang Podcast episode something. I don't know. I don't know what episode we're on. Um, today on the podcast, we have my dear brother, Cass Haley. Uh, Cass is one of my favorite people of all time, favorite songwriters of all time, favorite musicians of all time. Uh, the world doesn't even know how fucking good this guy is yet, man. He's just getting going and he's already done so much amazing shit. He, uh, I'm, I always, I like, I want to like pre-hype up whatever guest I'm having on, but Cass Haley is literally one of the fucking greatest musicians of our time. I hope you can hear me pounding on my desk because I mean what I'm saying. He is one of the most talented human beings ever and past being one of the most badass uh musicians and songwriters of our time he's one of the most genuine sweetest dudes ever he loves his fucking family so much um his whole vibe dude he's just one of the most ad- admirable uh characters in my story and i just fucking love him man um sorry for cursing but uh i love the guy i think he's one of the greatest human beings ever um and uh, i'm glad we have him on and i want to have him on and uh, to talk about more stuff, but we go into a lot here. Uh, we talk a lot about music, you know, we get into some current affairs and shit like that, but, um, yeah, I hope you guys dig. Uh, thank you so much for listening next week. Carlito's coming on. So, uh, more on that later. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Strap in. Cass Haley, welcome to the Sad Song Podcast. Hey man, how you doing? Good. Uh, your the your podcast is special for a couple of reasons. One, you're the first podcast in my new office. Um, oh, fancy! You got an office. Oh yeah, shit! I know, dude. Yeah. COVID, COVID has you getting an office. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty dope, dude. It's an old art classroom. Um, but it's really big, but because all of these spaces were vacant, I just got like a super good deal on it. And then um, we were helping my father-in-law move. So we like upgraded furniture. So all the old furniture's here. I got fucking plants. I got a 15 by 20 American flag. Right on. Yeah. What, you, what, what kind of operations are going down in the office? Are you, are you, writing, are you writing songs or is it strictly business? Um, more music than anything else. I'm really excited to have a place to start watching the fights. That's not my house. <laughs> I, I get real loud when they're on, but yeah, dude, I've been playing a whole bunch. Um, yeah, we're, we're getting ready to start a new album. Dudes, sp- speaking of new music, your new single's badass. Tell me. Thanks, man. Are you going to make, are you making a new record? So I have a new record. Yeah, actually, you know, as I was getting on this call, I've got the, the, producers has, is mixing my new record right now finishing up tonight um in connecticut so they're hey. mixing and, and and they're sending shit over and i'm having to listen to it back and forth and we're you know <laughs> trying trying to get the shit right but uh yeah so i mean um the new music that i just released is uh an ep with a tune called every road i'm on and it was uh it's a, a song that we won this Lincoln Chart Your Course competition with, and it includes three different versions of the tune. It includes like the acoustic version that's like the original demo, how the song was written, and then it includes a version that was recorded at Capitol Studios with Al Schmidt and uh, a bunch of amazing 
legends, Lee Squaw on bass, Waddy Wapto on guitar. Um, and it was a, man, it was a crazy experience. I'll have to go into that a little bit. But, and then the third version, which is actually my favorite, is the one that uh, Nathan from Ayatera produced, which is a reggae version. And that I kid just, is everywhere, dude. I love, well, I love him, man. I love yeah, he's he, something else, man. He's got, he's got such a good vibe and he's such a good dude. And he's obviously super talented with his, with his skills, you know? So. Yeah, it's, it's funny, man. People all of the time are like, yo, dude, we should collab. And I've told this story on the podcast before, but I want to share it with you because it just speaks to the type of dude that he is. So it's the song that you're on. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Okay, bro. So this kid go, hits me and goes, hey, man, we should do a song together. I said, well, I'm actually just sitting in my office fucking around right now. Let me, you know, let me see what I can do. I got, I got, I got you something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, so I send him an iPhone version of me playing One Life on my acoustic guitar. And I shit you not, dude, like three days later, he sends me the song, drums, bass, guitar, like <laughs> everything, like his verse, all of the harmonized choruses already done. He's like, oh, yeah, so here's your gap and here's Cass's gap. I was just like, what the fuck, dude? Uh, Who does that? I, I can't believe how good his, uh, like, his stuff that he does in Logic is. You know, like all the all the programming and stuff, like the drums, He really he really does a nice job and makes it feel really good i i you know i've tried to do that shit and i just can't get it me either man it's my area <laughs> you know i want i want to but i don't think i'm just I th i've sort of thrown it into the live performance kind of thing where yep. you know but yeah man so it was it was it's cool working with him love the dude he he i after we did that track you know i was like uh I was just, and it just happened this summer. It was sort of a last minute kind of thing. I was like, man, I wanted to do a reggae version of the tune anyways. And I was like, honestly, I didn't have the time to try to go get live musicians to play and everything had went down where you couldn't have a session. So I was like, I should get Nathan to do this, you know? And of course he knocked it out of the park. It's my yeah, favorite I did it version. in an hour. <laughs> right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Dude, so tell me about that um, that Lincoln comp. Dude, you have one of the. Hey, first off, you're one of my favorite songwriters and and people and musicians. And me and my wife just love the hell out of you, man. Um, Thanks, man. You're just such a good dude. Um, and you have one of the most unorthodox music stories of anyone I know. Um, I mean, but just between the. Um, I lost you there for a minute. Oh, sorry. I just said you're one of the you you have one of the most unorthodox music stories of anybody I know. Just just due to the like the show that you were on, the America's Got Talent thing, and then which I'm sure everyone's familiar with, but tell me about this Lincoln thing. Like you you always I feel like you always get in these things where I'm like, hey, what the hell is that? How'd you get into that? What is that? You know? Well, dude, I mean, I, it's funny because you know, I come from a place that really sort of despises that kind of thing. Like, as far as TV shows, I mean, I grew up on bands like No Effects and Rancid and Operation Ivy, and it was a DIY kind of mindset. And I remember watching those TV shows with my wife and just trash talking, just like, this shit sucks. Yep. I, ha I hate these fucking TV shows. And I, I remember saying to my wife, 
I will never go on these fucking TV shows. <laughs> and like a year later, here I am with this opportunity that sort of fell in my lap. You know, uh, with, with America's Got Talent, it was a favor to a friend because he was going to get upset at me if I didn't because he was like our acting like our manager. And he was like struggling. We were struggling. You know, we were living in Dallas and barely making ends meet. And, you know, dude, I went to the audition of America's Got Talent with the clothes from the bar the night before. Like, I didn't give a shit. I didn't care. I didn't think anything was going to, I knew nothing was going to happen. And when I showed up to that audition, I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to make it anywhere because people were prepared, man. They were full on, they were full on like, you know, uh, teams, dance teams, and like all kinds of circus acts. And I was like, you know, a half drunk still from the night before playing at the corner bar and with stinky clothes on. And I show up and I played a few tunes and, you know, and, and the next thing you know, you know, shit, I was on TV. And so it was sort of just like a, a happy accident. And, and this time, the magical little moment of, you know, these, these little things that happen, um, came, it came in a different way. It was, it was a very conscious decision and, and a very like, uh, it, uh, I, it was almost like, man, with, with the Lincoln thing, I was, we had written this song over last summer while we were traveling and it was a simple family tune about being able to find our presence, being able to feel like we're in our bodies, wherever we're at and wherever we're at is home, you know, no matter what kind of bullshit we're going through, no matter what kind of tour we're on, you know how that is. It's like, especially hard when you're away from your family of trying to feel like you're at home and you're away from them, but you do, you've got to cultivate that kind of thing. If you want this kind of lifestyle to be good for you, you know, or bring them with you. You know what I mean? But regardless, you got to cultivate that space of being able to enjoy where you're at. So that's what the tune was about. And like a few months later, we were on our way to Minneapolis to play a show with Wookie Fret and Mata Shahu for Halloween. It was that Halloween show. And um, I saw this instant. I was at a condo near the airport on the way to the airport. And I saw an ad. It was a chart your course ad and it had this really cool like look to it where it had been filmed with like old vintage film and it had this very like artist path sort of hero's journey kind of vibe to it where it was like it really was resonating with me. I was like, dude, this is a cool thing. And I think I looked at Cassie and I just knew it, bro. I was like, and I haven't entered a competition since America's Got Talent. It's, I don't go around entering these competitions. I don't look for them. And that's what was different about this is that it really caught my attention and I, and I felt it in my gut. I said, Cassie, we've got we to gotta enter this. So at that moment, I literally called a couple friends in Dallas and I, got, I booked a studio. I booked a videographer to come and film me. And I wrote a one-page essay, like within a few hours of making the decision. And I sent that shit in. And I drew. This is one of the very few things that I, I knew. I knew that I was going to, and this sounds horrible, it sounds so cocky, but I knew I was going to fucking win that at least that first part. 
the uh the the because it was a finalist it was like and if you were if you were chosen to be finalist you won 17 grand so i was like oh shit i'm gonna win this shit and i feel it in my bones and sure enough two weeks later 6 30 a.m i'm sitting in the deer blind hunting gun season had just started here in texas and i get a i hardly ever have a signal okay i get a ding and I look at my phone, and it's a DocuSign from the, the sweepstakes company. You're selected as a finalist. Of course, I, like, start bawling, you know what I mean? Because I just, like, fucking scratched a $17,000 lottery ticket. <laughs> no, so I was tripping, dude. I was tripping. Um, and that was just the first notification that we won this. At this point, too, man, my perspective was this. We won 17 grand. I didn't know when we were going to get it. You know, it could have been a year from then or, or, and then we had the opportunity to be in a commercial. So I thought, man, they're going to send a couple guys to my house, you know, and I never in a, a million years imagined what really happened. So they call and they're like, we would like to bring a film crew to Paris and film a little mini doc on you. And I was like, okay, that sounds cool. And, and they said, um, we would also like you to, that this is going to air during the Grammys and that's going to be the last night for people to vote. And so I was like, well, I was like, you know, sort of swallowing my tongue. Cause Cassie, me and Cassie would always joke around the last like few years. Cassie's a big dreamer. And she's always like, one day we're going to, we're going to go to, we're going to go to the Grammys. We'll see you at the Grammys. She would always joke around, especially since she started writing songs. She's been like, oh yeah, we're going to go to the Grammys. And I've always like sort of in the back of my mind been like, what are you talking about? I've been doing this for 20 years. You know, who knows, man? I, 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 I never in a million years even thought I'd be sitting there. And uh, sure enough, these people were going to take us to the Grammys. They were going to air a commercial in our song during the Grammys. So at this point, I'm freaking out. They haven't came to the farm yet. They just told us all this stuff. And then they show up in Paris and there's like Hollywood, bro, like 30 people. Like they shut down my county road. They, like it was, <laughs> it was like, it was like a full on film shoot. They were filming in like 16 mil and eight millimeter. And uh, it was really cool because it wasn't just like a commercial sort of crew. They, they hired Marcus Haney this music documentary director guy that's really, really cool producer director guy that um, is uh, uh, Mumford and Sons main photographer and he filmed Austin to Boston. He filmed the documentary No Cameras Allowed. Um, a bunch of really cool hip stuff. And uh, so they got someone in there to, to tell our story and it was pretty magical because they just told our story. Like they didn't, they didn't want anything else, but just a little glimpse in our life and what we're doing here and what our perspective is with life. And so uh, they filmed that. And the next thing you know, we're at the Grammys. And the next thing you know, we win the shit. And then even a more incredible journey starts. So once we win it, we win a car. And then we also win a talent contract and a studio session at Capitol Records with, with Al Schmidt, the legendary engineer producer. So, but then I didn't know what the, the road trip consisted of. So basically what happened is I go on this like 20 day 
road trip from LA to Austin to New Orleans back to LA and I meet up with all these different iconic musicians actors and we talk about life they film it we talk about the song you know and they sort of show the progression of of me who are some you know. of the people so man it's pretty incredible dude it's a um and I, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be talking about it yet. Don't, but I'm gonna, don't. I, I, okay. No, no, I'm gonna go, right. go. I'm gonna go ahead. Fuck <laughs> it. Right. Uh, so I met I'm, one of one of the singer songwriters that I met up with. Of course, John Batiste was involved in the whole thing. So yep. John Batiste, John Batiste is like the mentor, sort of the ambassador of the whole competition. And dude, that guy is touched by an angel. He he's the nicest man you've ever met, bro. Um, but the, the person that I meet up with is this artist named Ruthie Foster, who's, uh, in my book is a, a legendary singer songwriter here in, in Texas. Are you still getting me? Cause this, yep. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, and then I, I got to sit down with Matthew McConaughey. Dude, and is he as cool as he seems? Dude, let me tell you this, that guy is every bit as cool as he seems. Oh, he I is, love it. He is, he is, he is, I was taken by how self-directed, and I mean, like, you know, you never know when you're going on some, like, shoot, if if a director is going to be able to tell an actor what to do or whatever, but let me tell you right now, that dude's the boss. He is the fucking boss wherever he goes, bro. He is running his own show for sure. It was impressive, and it was really natural, and you know, it was it was it was pretty cool, man, because we got to sit down, we went to a hat shop and he had me this custom hat made. And we got to watch this guy make this hat out of beaver, and then we got to talk about life and I played him the song and got all of it captured on this film and and then from there <laughs> we go to we go to uh New Orleans and I meet up with some incredible New Orleans artists. I meet up with Tank from Tank and the Bangas. And I meet up with with one of my favorite musicians, New Orleans musicians, uh, John Cleary, piano player. And then we will also meet up with uh, a few others. So I'll leave some to the as a mystery. But it, man, it was it was incredible, and it all ends back around at Capitol Studios. And uh, you know, it was uh, it was truly the most incredible thing about it is they out of all the footage that they got, they recorded a short film. So there's a there's a there's a short film ranging anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes that's like a mini doc and it's literally about me and my family's story and it's about the journey of the song and how it ends at Capitol Studios and it's it's pretty uh it's pretty special that you get a company that's willing to tell a story like that and you know uh there's just I just I feel super grateful man because you know you know who knows who knows what this cost and I I could have never generated this and got the visibility and been able to tell our story. And um, it's just, it's a pretty magical thing, man. It, it's really, it's, really out of this world. It's funny. Um, our mutual friend, Adam Elfers was, um, he was, you know, he's been asking me a lot of questions recently about getting into music and stuff like that. Um, and I was kind of telling him, you know, there's this combo of like work ethic, talent, you know, there's all these different pieces that you have to have. And it was funny. Uh, I used you in this example in the conversation where I said, well, Cass, 
Cass is like the perfect example. Like there's no way Cass isn't going to win because the talent's there, the work ethic's there, the understanding of everything is there. But also, you know, like I remember when we were sitting in Fort Collins and it was kind of a rough show. And I remember your attitude was so like, yeah, man, well, this is what we're doing. We're building. And you're just, you're just so fucking sweet, man. And you're just, well, bro, I've had a lot of rough shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's because, it's because I know, I know how to, I know how to take the punches. And I also know that everything's in flux. Yep. So, you know, everything's moving and it's like when I have, you know, that particular night, I was high on the hog because the night before there was a hundred people, you right. know what I mean? So it's like for that next night in Fort Collins to be shitty, I was like, and I've had so many shitty shows. I've learned how to not let it fuck my world up, you know what I mean? And that's a huge deal for musicians. Um to not let the ego get in the way and realize that, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is. And well, the game, the game I used to always play that I had to quit playing was the comparison games right? Totally. of like, why the fuck is this dude selling tickets? This shit's whack. You know, like how, you know, yeah, uh, totally, yeah. Totally. yeah I, I've done that. I've, yeah. I've fucking done that. I, 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 and, but I stopped doing it because it, it's, it's happening for a reason and you'll yep. never know you'll never know what that reason is and it's really none of your fucking business exactly dude. but you you got to make it happen for you and turn every stone and do everything that you can i think that it's just like a matter of that of you know you fucking have to have the work ethic like you said but you have to refine your approach continually and you have to make a checklist of like okay i've been doing this for this many years, this way, what haven't I done? What can I improve? How can I change? What, you know, whether it's even within your songwriting, within your health, within everything that you're doing, all of those things have to be continually refined, you know? And so I think that's a huge part of it. And, you know, a lot of people would feel like a complete failure with as many times as I've, I fail most of the time. You know what I'm saying? I fall most of the time. I've, you know, I've went on the, massive tv show and fucking lost you know what i mean and it a million bucks 50 50 shot standing right there got to get a million bucks boom you know but i didn't it's funny man i never i never feel like a loser you know what i mean it's just it's just sort of in my nature as well just to keep going yeah no i think that's um you know that's something you can't teach you can teach someone how to be a bitch and guitar player you know you can't teach them how to how to maintain a positive attitude when things suck, you know? Um, that was a huge thing for me early on was I would, um, man, I just, it took a lot of practice for me to, to take the punches. Um, and, you know, I set everything up so I own everything. So there was, you know, it got to a place where it was like, okay, well, no one else will take an L, I'll just take the L. I'll make sure everyone else is paid. You know, and, yeah. and and I know you. That's how you run it too. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. um, it's it's out of it, it's out of the reason I do that is because that makes the most sense so that I can have the right kind of movement. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like it's like, dude, you can only go as, as fast as the slowest person, so yep. you can be fully responsible for how what your pace is. Yep. And uh, it's it's a fine balance too because. It, it, you know, you want to be able to bring people in and to create those bonds and those relationships. But it's like, I like to look at it like this. When I'm doing business with somebody, say you or anybody, 
I want a partner, like a war buddy, someone that I would go to war with and that's going to have the same kind of work ethic as me, but that has the kind of mindset that they're in business for themselves. Yep. That individual kind of spirit of like, you know, no matter who you're, who's playing with you, they need to be in business for themselves, rocking and rolling, doing everything that they can on their end to, to, to make their business work. You know? Well, another mutual friend of ours uh, that's played with both of us is Ben Teeters. And I feel like he is the fucking king of that. You know, Dude, when he, we're, when, when he's on tour with me on van rides, he's working on two side projects and you know, he's just such a fucking hustler, man. And I love yeah, that. And, I love that and he, never, he never lets anything get in the way of something else. He's always knows how to forecast it. He knows how to plan. There's a way to do this, you know, and he is, um, yeah, he, he's one of my favorite people on the face of the earth. Yeah, me too, dude. We've done uh, – he's been touring with us for three years now. Crazy. Um, that is crazy. <laughs> and he is just the fucking man, dude. I've just – I cannot think of a single time where I've seen him super flustered and upset. Yeah, and his fluster his – fluster, is is so low key that it's, yeah. it's not it's not it's it. this last you know this last time we we I there was a funny story man this is probably the most flustered I've seen he almost he almost fucking died by taking a fish oil pill and choking on it in the van so this was just this last this last summer at the end and this doesn't really count as a flusher but it's a crazy story so we go to this we go to this health food store and we had just listened i think we had listened to some podcast on omega fats or some shit and uh so we go to this health food store and we get these these pills these omega fish oil pills but they're really they're giant man oh yeah i take two every morning (laughs) yeah they're huge so so we're driving and i forgot what part of uh where we're at we might be it might be en route to florida we're in memphis or something like that and uh so i look over and ben's he's got water pouring out of his mouth and spit coming out of his mouth and he's he's doing this like that you know i'm like dude i almost got in a wreck because he was fucking choking he was choking in the passenger seat i like pulled over on the side of the road and jumped out and gave him the heimlich maneuver you know what i mean and it ended up lodging it but it was crazy it was it was poor guy i just had it he's gonna hate me for telling that story but it was was the most distraught Ben Teeters I've ever seen. Ben Teeters. Yeah, and then I'm sure he went right back to a two immediately yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah, dude, good dude. Sorry, yeah, Ben. Champion. I love you. Um, so what is your plan now? Like, with with you know, obviously COVID's a real motherfucker. So, say that again. You broke up. Sorry, bud. Oh, sorry. I just said, you know. So, what's your plan now? You know, with COVID being uh, shitty, dude. You know, I'm really. I'm really, really, really uh, grateful that the Lincoln thing happened because, you know, the, the commercial is about to come out. So there's going to be, not only is there that short film, the commercial is going to be coming out in September and is going to be on TV. So the fact that I got that has helped out a lot, you know, and it's, it's probably going to be able to carry us through to, to, to be able to get packed to where we can tour in 2021. Hopefully, fingers crossed that everybody can. You know, it's, I know it's super tough. So my plan at this point, you know, I'm going to release my new record is, is going to come out after the TV, uh, 
commercial and stuff comes out, it's it's called All the Right People, and we're gonna release it in steps, and then you know I'm probably just gonna sort of stick to the live stream sort of theme for a few shows through Christmas, and try to make some money doing that. You know we uh, we did a little thing th- this last Friday, which was our first paid live stream kind of attempt, and it was cool, man. I mean for me. It was, you know, it's, I made what I would have made on a regular show and I got to engage my fans and my folks and sell some new merchandise. And I'm just going to move forward sort of with that vibe. And hopefully I can carry that. I don't know if, if it will carry past two or three of them. We'll see, we'll see what happens, you know? Um, But, you know, I just hope and pray that, that things can normalize and um, I can't wait to vote. I'm, fucking planning on voting and everybody all you should too vote vote vote, bro you ought to hear some hilarious shit i literally made a post on instagram about a month ago encouraging people to vote did you get bashed (laughs) so hard dude like oh i thought oh i can't believe that you would support such a corrupt and fucked up system blah blah blah. i might get so now i'm I'm in trouble for telling people to vote. Is this the fucking internet climate that we're in now? You've got a bunch of fascist, uh, you got a bunch of Antifa fans. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, dude. <laughs> dude, dude it's, it's tough because people need to realize that it's like the further you go left, the closer you get to the right. Dude, how many of your friends are getting into this QAnon shit? I am seeing a lot of far left people that are now Trump supporters. It, see, it's weird. How does that happen? How the does that happen, bro? I don't know, and they're really into it too. They're really into it. I think, well, man, I think it's a sickness, and I think people, you know, I, I of course, I get off on the whole conspiracy shit. It's fun to think about, but it's a waste of fucking time. It's a waste of time. You're never gonna know shit, and if you don't trust science, you're fucked. Your life's gonna suck. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry. Like it's that's I that's what I think. I think that you have I mean it's like think about our whole world has been built upon science. You know, it's like uh, the from you know the everything that's good in our life, you have to trust in science. It's all around us. And I just think that it's like I think it's sort of I think it's sad that people have lost trust in science and have lost trust in the goodness of humankind and the goodness of, of some of these public servants that have served, you know, I just, I believe in the goodness of mankind, man. Yeah. There's some corrupt people out there, but I think it's a very small percentage. And, um, you know, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with science. I'm going to go within the goodness of mankind and I'm going to move forward. Yeah. I'm I'm going to believe Fauci. I'm sorry. I'm not, are you an epidemiologist? You fucking people are walking around acting like they are one. You know, it's some bullshit. Dude, I deleted I, I deleted <laughs> my personal Facebook page. Uh, and it's been the greatest move of my entire life. You know what I did? I just took a couple days and I just unfollowed everybody that I was tired of seeing their garbage. And it's not that I'm like, Part of me felt a little guilty for that because I want to try to have a balanced mentality and I want to have, I want to be able to have conversations with people that have a good stance and don't feel like I feel, but at, 
it, the, the rate that I was seeing shit, it was just really bothering me, man. So I just unfollowed everybody. Well, it starts getting weird, man. It starts getting really weird. And, you know, and everything's so extreme now, dude. The people on the right, you know, uh, believe that, you know, anyone that isn't a Republican wants to take over the world. And pretty much, you know, if you're a Democrat, that means you're a member of Antifa. And, you know, there's some people I, on the left that are like, dude, I said earlier, you know, that I don't think Kamala Harris is a good person. Solely based on the job that she did as the, you know, attorney general in California. Uh, she supported a lot of shit that put a lot of people in jail for a really long time for nonviolent shit. You know, yeah. and, and the go-to is you're a sexist or you're a racist. And it's like, yeah. What a crazy fucking thing to say to me. Like, what are you Which, talking about? Like, Drew, Drew I'm going to tell you right now that you're a racist if you don't vote for Biden and Camila Harris right yeah. now. You're, hey. you're, so, you're a sorry son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing is I'm not even saying I'm not gonna. I'm just no, saying. No, you're, you're gonna. You're yeah. gonna vote for Biden yeah. and Camila. Yeah, okay. she might. I don't even know who she fucking is. You've probably done more research, but you know what? There's not a person on the planet that I wouldn't vote for over Donald Trump. Yeah, I'm with there's that. There's not a, not a person on the planet, man. I'm with that. Yeah, and see, that's the thing, too, is that there's this, like, dialogue that gets shut down where it's like, dude, I can be uh, against uh, one team and, for the other, and not for the other. You know what I mean? Like, I can be yeah. like, I don't. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, that's the extreme, right? Is it's like if you tell someone in the modern era, like, I don't like grapes, and they're like, what the fuck is your problem with oranges? You know, right. you're like, what? I wasn't even or, talking about oranges, dog. Or, 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 you don't, or you don't drink, and all of a sudden they think you're some religious fucking weirdo that, that, yep. that's, that's got some weird not. It's, I don't judge you for not drinking. I don't drink. Like, yep. it, doesn't, it doesn't mean I'm the exact opposite. That's sort of how I feel, too, man, because here I am. I live in Northeast Texas. I was raised in a rural area where, you know, you didn't have to go get any kind of a permit to do any kind of construction. You don't have to, you know, we can homeschool our children without having to prove what we're doing and stuff. And I believe in individual liberties and freedoms. I really yes. do. And I, and I, I, I believe in states rights. I am not a Republican. I am not a Democrat. But you know, um, I'm you on know, team. I, I'm a, I, you do, we all have to be on team. Get Donald Trump out of office. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm. I'm on change, man. Yeah, I'm on team change. Like, come on. Well, it's just hard, you know. The thing that really gets me all riled up about all of it is, like, dude, there are fucking generals and admirals and fucking surgeons, and I believe that we are. A, I fucking love America. I fucking love this country, man. And I and the thing that I love is our ability to adapt, our ability to gain knowledge. If, you know, a fucking remarkable surgery was done in India, it's fucking learned here and it's implemented next day. It's like yeah. like that is the part of America that I just am so in love with is our ingenuity, our ability to learn and apply and adapt. And I think the the part that really bums me out is not just this election, but the past few. It's like, how the fuck 
do we end up with Joe Biden and Donald Trump as our two choices? There's it retired sucks. admirals. There are fucking generals. It's like you do not become a general or an admiral without proving exemplary leadership. And that's the thing that no Trump supporter can really answer for me. I say, what, what examples of, of, of quality leadership do you see in this man? Quality anything, bro. Yeah. Quality anything. Yeah, dude. If you want to be a good leader, you cannot be egotistical. You cannot be petty. You cannot start fires when there doesn't need to be fires. You have to be calm, collected. And I think of so many things where it's like, um, you know, where he has an opportunity to say something super presidential, like it's a softball where it's like, oh, this is fucking easy, dude. You just say this. And, you know, he goes in and he's just such an asshat. It just blows me the fuck away. And, you know, like someone one time was like, you know, oh, well, what do you want him to say? And I literally gave like this off the cuff thing of like, uh, you know, like when, the, oh, yeah, it was when the COVID thing started. And it's like, well, what's he supposed to say? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, first off, listen to scientists when they're like, hey, man, here's, yeah. here's what's up. <laughs> The people who studied their whole life on something, yep. come on, man. And then be like, look, dude. And he's like, you know, he keeps just talking about his fucking TV ratings and his ratings and his ratings. And this woman was like, well, what else is he supposed to say? I say, how about, listen, America, you, by being born here, by being a citizen here, are a member of the greatest, most industrious, resilient country of all times. We've been through two world wars. We've been through a civil war. We've been through pandemics. We've gone through great changes that have, that have completely changed the way we do business and culture, and we've come out the other end better for it. We're a nation built by people that were outcasted from the very places that they were born, and we're going to get through this, and we're going to be better for it. That's just off the fucking top. Yeah, dude. that's all you got to say. Off the fucking yeah. top. Off the top. Do for president. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man. It's like it's not that it's not that hard to just you know read the room, dog. Read the fucking room. You know, you know what I I have a a, a huge problem with in America is that like government and local government is not really like taught at an early age, and and there's not a lot of information about your local like choices and it's like it's it's everything is sort of hush hush you yep. don't know there's there's no real database to get any information on local officials on local politicians and if there is you're gonna have to literally you're gonna have to just have a whole other full-time job just trying to figure out who these people are most of us aren't gonna figure out who they are we're gonna go if we do vote we're just gonna vote either this side or this side, and we have to pick when we go into the primaries. You got to pick one, you know what I mean? And I just think it's all fucked up, man. I think it's uh, – Yeah, think- and, and this idea that, um, you know, these people that are, like, disassociated with the voting process, I'm like, okay, well, fuck it then. Don't vote in the presidential election. Vote in your local and state elections. If you don't like the choices for president, okie dokie, motherfucker, because I live in one of the most conservative states in the world. And we have managed to have a very – Steve Bullock, I, I, I believe, to be uh, – you know, I mean, he's a standard politician. He's, uh, he's given some state business to his brother's company. But for the most part, he's, uh, he's keeping rural hospitals open. Like, he's doing the right things. He's a very Democratic dude, and he keeps fucking winning. Um, and, and that's one thing in Montana that is kind of cool is there is – you know, there's a lot of fucking Trump flags flying. But I feel like Trump is almost like – it's like the the wearing like the 
the trucker hat with the titties on it. It's just kind of a way to show people that you're a dick, Dude, you know? It's, 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 to me, it's a way to show people you're really not thinking for yourself and you're just yep. a part of toxic tribalism because yep. most, most people – can, can most people have a little bit better judge of character than that and they're they're all in my opinion they're all caught up in a delusion where they're yeah. like well oh oh fred down the road and billy down the road and all the guys at the golf club really like them and it's really a lot easier for me to like them too you yeah. know my life's less just, i think it's toxic tribalism is what yeah. it is yeah and um, the identity politics thing is so thick right now you know again like we're saying it's like if you disagree with one, then you're assumed to be the other. And it's really funny because the nature of MMA, uh, you know, I spend most of my time at the gym uh, when I'm not at home with my family. So it, it, it draws a lot of, uh, you know, the type of dudes that want to get together on a weekly basis and fight each other typically aren't super liberal cats. Yeah. Um, and what's really funny is all my conservative friends think I'm liberal and all my liberal friends think I'm a conservative. And it's like, no, dude, it just depends on the fucking thing. You know, it's like, are, right. are, you know, if we're talking about, you know, how to allocate uh, state funds, probably going to be pretty conservative when it comes to making sure that sick people can go to the fucking doctor. I guess it's a liberal, crazy idea that people should be able to go to the doctor in the most developed nation in the world. Um, right you know what i mean or that we yeah. should invest in health and education like if that makes me you know a fucking liberal communist because i think we could you know build one less f-14 fighter jet a year and make you know community college and associates degree in healthcare thing yeah. you know like, i guess fuck, man. uh so yeah it's a really funny thing of this like i feel like it's almost like, you know, bumping into your best friend at a festival when you find someone else that isn't in a, have a party line that's just like, yeah, no, man, it depends on the issue. You know, right. when you meet these independent thinkers, you're just like, holy shit. Um, and I, I say all that to say, I've met a lot of people through MMA that are just like, that are that, that are like super intelligent and uh, yeah, are pretty much on team, small local government. And, you know, also let's help people that need help. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, you know, I don't think people realize, you know, at least I didn't realize why local is important, you know what I mean? And, and that, that what's right in one area is not right in the other area. And a group of people need to be self-governing. They need to be, of course, if they're, if they're, you know, obviously there's limitations to that stuff, but it's super important, man. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'm a big advocate of that. For well, sure. you and I both live in, in pretty rural areas. And that's the thing too, is it's like, you know, people bitch about the electoral college and it's like, well, that'd be real shitty if people in, you know, big cities had a say in how this community was run. That would fuck things all up because they don't know about the issues in Paris, Texas or yeah. Red Lodge, yeah. Montana. You know, it's a whole yeah. different world. It's yeah, a different totally. set of concerns, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, like freaking protecting your flock of chickens from coyotes and needing a gun to shoot them you know if you if you don't believe in guns come live out where i live and try to live the way that i live and then you'll believe in guns because it's an amazing tool and you i live 30 minutes from the closest town somebody breaks in my house there's no protection for me no nope. the only protection i have is a gun Yep. And I, and, and, and people just don't realize that, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I believe 
in the right to bear arms, bro. Wait and, a minute. Uh, you mean to tell me you can be pro-constitution and have liberal <laughs> views when it comes to uh, healthcare and education? <laughs> right, right. Get, get right out of town. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a funny, th- yeah, I think the same thing too when people, uh, you know, I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm very much anti-gun in inner city New York City, but out here we need them. That's how I get my, that's how I get my food in the winter, dog, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, 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 it's funny because I, I do believe in, in the right to bear arms, but at the same time, I think it's sort of a good idea to take guns away from cops and have a certain have a certain have a certain division of cops. Like I don't believe that your traffic cop I just don't believe that your traffic cop needs guns, man. Yeah. I think I think that less 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 cops would get killed if they yeah. didn't have guns. You well, know? you know, the- it's really interesting when you see You've seen so many videos, dude, and race aside, you see so many uh, situations where cops are shooting people. And I'm like, dude, check out your belt. Isn't there like a fucking order of operations there? You have like four different non-lethal options there before you fucking go gun, you know? Dude, think about, think about this. Think, okay, if, if you took guns out of the equation, it would change everything about the way they interacted with everybody they interact with and it would change the type of people that become cops it would literally it would literally change everything so i get i get it that under the current situation these people are in a dangerous situation and saying taking guns these cops are in a dangerous situation saying how can we ask them to put their lives in danger um you know, and, and without, but I think, I think you have to change the whole paradigm and I think there's a way to do it and a way of creating a certain type of per or training a certain type of person to be able to engage people. And I don't know that we need traffic cops in the first place. You know what I'm saying? I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Um, little, little mini $80 extortions here and there. Yeah. It's, it's a yeah. racket, man. I mean, most of it, you know, obviously, you know, we need to be able to call somebody and there needs to be, maybe there should be more stations where they could be mobile and shit, but who knows? I don't know. I just, I just think yeah, it's, 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 yeah. And it's crazy too. You know, I, it's weird. I think, I think a uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu blue belt should be a mandatory requirement if you want to be a police officer. And I say that because for the average person, it takes about two years of pretty consistent training. Um, and you just start to understand violence in a different context. You start to understand that things hurt uh, and kind of what violence does to the body. Whereas if you just do like a quick training one time, you know, you might remember like, oh, that wrist lock kind of hurts when I'm, you know, when I'm handcuffing, like, oh, but that's kind of what it's supposed to do. Where it's like, if you're getting, you know, your limbs twisted around on a regular basis, you have a bit more care, uh, because you you know you know what you're doing to somebody else's body and we're gonna uh the plan this winter is uh my professor will uh is hopefully getting contracted when we're going to teach the cops some of the cops here in red lodge uh, jujitsu and i think it's just a really important thing too for for both sides because you know what i saw in when i was just in seattle uh really fucked me up man uh and i have some friends that uh, that were police officers in Portland too, um, and I think people would just keep forgetting that we're humans, and yeah. cops are looking at protesters like they're not humans. Protesters are looking at cops like they're not human, and it's so fucking crazy to me the way that uh, the way that the antagonization and this removal of empathy of just like fuck, man, that cop has a wife and kids at home 
fuck man, that protester has a wife and kids at home or is a real person. It's just, yeah. you know, and again, it's, it's a, it's a, I think a huge part of it is the polarization of, you know, of Donald Trump and his, his message of clear and present division and yeah. us versus them and this narrative yeah. uh, that we're not all Americans, that there's like different kinds of Americans and, Dude, and it, beyond that, too, I mean, it goes across the whole world. I do love America, but I, I love humans. Yep. I love human beings, and I think that, like, we all are, I mean, we're so much alike, whether you're in China or India yep. or whatever, bro. It's like we, I'm not afraid of connection and connecting nope. markets. I'm not afraid of, you know, what people call the new world order the new world order and other countries have an influence over us. I mean, it's, it, I, I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. I don't think that's a reality. You know what I mean? I, I, I think that it's dangerous when you start, it, it's a good thing for us to have good trade relationships with all these countries and to be having, have, have, have a world economy. That's what keeps wars from happening. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Then that is exactly it, dude. It's like, um, uh, you know, an example that me and my brother-in-law used, he's, uh, you know, was born in Columbia, but, uh, raised in New York city in Chicago and is now a firefighter, but, um, is the, like, you know, typically how gang truces happen is because they figured out some way to kind of make each other money. So it's like, okay, cool. Well, let's be cool with each other so we can keep this money flowing. Totally. You know, and, uh, and it, yeah, it's just like a logical logical idea and it's like i'm not necessarily a fucking globalist but it's like i'm definitely not a nationalist either it's like what's funny man is i i was at a barbecue uh one time when i was home and i kept talking we we're just discussing humans and division and uh you know this lady was just fucking out of whack she's like well if you've ever you know these people in this city and these people in these inner cities like this and i was like listen i go to all of the cities that you just named usually three times a year like it's not, not like that it's not like that you know <laughs> like people people get along pretty fucking well really and she goes oh because you travel more you just think you know more about this country uh, and i was uh, like <laughs> i said yes 100 percent. what other occupation what other occupation do people go, oh yeah, name a fucking town, name a city, uh, name a part of this country, and I go there three times a fucking year. Tell me yeah. one other job outside of a truck driver that does that <laughs> shit, you know? And it's like, and we go there and we marinate with the people. We people, people, yeah. You know, a funny story is, especially being that you're from the South, I avoided touring in the South forever, okay? I had I've, no idea. I've noticed, I've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> so I had this idea of what the South was, right? Yeah. I said, no, nah, man, I'm not fucking with that. Like, I don't want to go down there, you know. So Fuck I those get, racists. Yeah, dude. Well, <laughs> I finally get talked into doing it. A, we sold a shitload of tickets. And the first thing that I noticed when we hit the Carolinas, and, and I noticed this a lot in Tennessee, interracial friend groups. More than I've seen in Chicago, New York, San Francisco, L.A., interracial friend groups i'm talking three black folks three white folks eating yeah. together yeah. families and then the further south you would go it was like oh shit not only is it like are there probably you know very racist police and very racist policies there's also a, a, a melting pot you know where black people and white people aren't like in chicago dude people are like oh you're from the city and it's like yeah dude and 
I've lived in black neighborhoods and I've lived in white neighborhoods because there's black neighborhoods and white neighborhoods and yeah. Mexican neighborhoods and Which, Irish neighborhoods. That, that exists too. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it does exist, but there's definitely a lot of, you know, melding of the worlds and stuff. I mean, it, 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 seemed, it seemed in Charlotte was, was more than any other place I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, man. It's uh, we've got, a, I think we all have a long way to go. You know what I mean? It, we all generalize and fucking, you know, this group of people's like this or that group of people's like yep. this. Well, shit. When I, people, when I tell people I'm from Texas, you know, they're just sort of like, Oh man, you know, they think, they think of like Wiley Coyote and, yeah. and, 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 and like where I live, it's like totally not that, but they've had this idea in their head from Western movies and tumbleweeds and cowboys and ranches. And they're like, it's all desert and dirt there. <laughs> you know, I live yeah. in a green, beautiful area that is like nothing like you would think, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, man. I, I advise, I think travel is the antidote for ignorance. 100% man. Um, and you know, a, th a conversation I was just having the other day too, when you visited some third world countries, uh, you drop the anti-America shit pretty quick. <laughs> sure you know do. I mean? Man, yeah. I'm, I, I, I take full, uh, you know, full, I, I fully reserve my right to to criticize this country because that's, that's how America is run is, is uh you know that it's patriotic to dissent and question things but i tell you what man i can fucking turn on my faucet and drink the water yeah you can walk you can walk you can walk around the airport without you know it's like the first time i flew into cabo it's like you know guys with all these weird dudes with machine guns all yep. around and it's just like on one side of the street you have these million dollar like you know uh mansion style clubs and and hotels and then on the other side of the street you have these people washing their clothes in the gutter and it was just like there's just this crazy despair between and this crazy yep. kind of like uh you know just gap yeah yeah you either rich. got it or you don't you know yeah so dude tell me about this new record what's the vibe man i'm super excited about it i i uh i it's I want to send it to you so you can really see what it's about. You know what I mean? You. I, uh, um, you know, so it's, it's called all the right people and it features. Um, so the idea of all the right people was all about honoring my relationships and, and bringing in some of my most valuable relationships and some of the people that I've bonded with over the last 10 or 15 years and put them all in a group together and see what happens. And so I, I got uh, this producer, Rob Ferboni, who uh, I met in Paris about 10 years ago, and he sort of became my mentor with recording and stuff. Um, but Rob's recorded everything from the band. He produced The Last Waltz, Bob Dylan Basement Tapes, Eric, Eric Clapton, Bob Marley. I mean, dude, the guy's like, he, he has touched some amazing albums. Uh, the Rolling Stones. Uh, Joe Cocker, the list just keeps on going on and on. And 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 Rob's a big Rob's specialty is uh, sort of ambient miking sort of style, like T Bone Burnett, like all real whole takes, a lot of a lot of like open sort of room sounding, sort of like real purist, like you how you would have recorded a record back in the fifties or something, but at a high level. So we brought Rob in from Connecticut, and then um, Reed Grimm is playing drums. Ooh, god damn. 
and and Reed also co-wrote a few of the songs with me and Cassie. Me and Cassie co-wrote the entire album and and Reed on on a few of them. And then uh, I've got Aaron Lip, uh, who was uh, Aaron Lip. I met on the road with Giant Panda, so he played with Giant Panda, Gorilla Dub Squad, and was their organ player. But you know, Aaron's Aaron's one of those guys that he can literally he can play anything. After he left Giant Panda, he went on to play with Robert Randolph and the Family Band, and he's played with all kinds of just amazing groups, the Wood Brothers, and I mean, he's 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 an unbelievable string player, fiddle player, banjo player, uh, slide player, and so on this record, he played a lot of a lot of strings. He I don't even think he played keys. Um, and then I brought in this other guy named Adam uh, Pickerel uh, to play synth and organ and and another friend of mine and we videoed the whole thing we we documented the whole recording process and we we have all kinds of cool exciting stuff coming out with the record too that sort of gives you a little bit of a uh, a look inside of the relationships that helped to ha make this happen and it's a really man it's a really special record I'm, I'm really excited it's it's super it's got a super old timey vibe to it um yeah, man, I can't wait to send it to you. I can't wait for yeah, people. Yeah, I'm to excited to hear it. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, yeah, it's funny with this quarantine, what happens. Like, do you find when you're home for longer that it influences your art? Like, if you're not traveling around, if you're if you're at home more? I lost you for a second. But uh, sorry. Nice. Do you feel like when you're traveling, uh, like, or rather when you're home more, that your art is different than it is when you're on tour all the time? Yeah, man, I think it's better. <laughs> I think it's better because there's like, there's more, more real life experience that, um, I mean, I, this, my thing is this, you know, I love playing out on the road, but I really, really strive to have this like balanced kind of thing to where I can have a real life at home and have like real experiences and like have interactions with the ladies at the corner store or whatever, and like be a part of my local community as well. And I, and I definitely, I definitely enjoy having like, I enjoy mowing the lawn, bro. Same. I enjoy, I enjoy like the farm shit, like fixing fences and like some of just like normal human shit. Um, not that playing out on the road isn't, but it, it, it's also, it makes that's the great thing about what we do is we get to create our own schedule and we get to have those two different worlds to sort of you know they make each other better when you're away you know you get to experience all the cities you get to experience the best of new york the best of chicago and then you get to go back home and you really get to experience the best of that but i think i think my art i think i definitely if i was on the road all the time my art would suffer. I might be better, like, cause I'm playing more and I might be more like, you know, proficient and sort of like in the zone with, with my tunes and stuff like that. But I'm not really that creative on the road because I'm too focused on like, you know, the practical processes that have yep. to go down. So. Yeah, me too, man. I'm this next record is, is got a, Got some fucking country in it, man. I think it's. Oh I've been, uh, yeah. yeah man. I've, been, I've been in Montana for fucking eight, nine months, man. Like it used to be, you know, um, I've been listening to a lot of, uh, 
old folk music and old country and, and, and bluegrass again. And um, I mean, it's still, still me, but yeah, there's going to be some banjo and pedal, pedal steel. And you're from fucking Montana. You're in Montana, man. Of course it's you, bro. And you're yeah. American. That's like, a, that's like, <laughs> like American roots music, man. It's like all, it's all the same too, whether it's blues, folk, bluegrass, like it's all music to me is all the same. Totally, man. And I think it's like trying to find, for me, I've never tried to, uh, I've never really tried to encompass uh, my home and a sound. And I feel like I'm really aiming for that on this record. Like, you know, instead of, uh, you know, doing the studio thing or tracking remotely, I'm flying all the guys out and I rented a, a big house in Paradise Valley and we're going to make a record right smack dab in the fucking middle of the mountains. That's how you, you know? do it, bro. Yeah, you're going to, you're going to love it. And it's, I think, I think the key, the cool, in my experience, because I've recorded a lot of records like that and a lot of records the other way, the key is, man, like, be able to accept what you guys do. So, like, yeah. that's, the, that's the biggest thing because when you're, like, when you're doing it remote, you can fly back and forth and it takes forever, but you can, you end up like getting into that micro sort of judgment world where you're like, eh, change this, eh, let's change that. But that's the beauty of getting in a scenario where you're all together, you know, you learn the arrangements beforehand and you play the song four or five times and that's the record. And that's yeah. where, that's where the vibe is captured, bro. Yeah, I'm it's excited. We're going to do, you know, we're going to do individual tracks of stuff, but then we're going to do videos uh, of some live takes. And it was funny. I was talking to a, to a buddy of mine and he was reminding me like, dude, so many sh songs on Tom Petty records were rehearsal takes where everyone was just fucking mic'd up and stuff. And they're like, okay, cool. Let's run this shit. And they kept like my favorite Tom Petty song of all time is even the losers. That was a live take. That was a live yeah. fucking take. This my entire new record's a live take. The yeah, entire dude. the whole the whole thing. But bro, this is the thing. Just because it's a live take doesn't mean that it's gonna sound like it. Like Go. actually, actually, you know, my album Lossy Daw was like that as well. Great. The record. whole the whole thing was like us in a room playing the songs. And man, there's really something, there's something about everybody knowing the arrangements before and playing together. And obviously you have issues, you know, you, you got to confront issues of if you're worried about separation and you're worried about bleed and stuff and you got to work through that stuff. But man, there's something really magical that can happen. And I encourage everybody to, to attempt, you know, if you can, if you can consult, if you can have real moments with real humans, that vibe on a record transcends, bro. It's what yeah. people, it's what people feel. It is hard to do and get the sound you want sometimes, and it's not always gonna work every time. But I think what I found for me personally is that that's what does it for me. Like, yeah. it's, we talked, it's, we're talking about, have, have you ever been, uh, you've been to Asheville, right? Yeah. Yeah, dude, we're talking about not this record, but the next one. I uh, forget the name of the studio. We did some video there, but it's this old church that they've tuned into a studio. Um, and when we make the next record, I want to do it right at the end of a tour. And I'm just going to have my family come down and meet me. And we're just going to live in Asheville for a month. And we're going to do all live takes. That's great. 
You That's know? I love it. Yeah, man, that'd be you guys would be hot right off the road. Exactly, ready, dude. Ready well, and what's cool too is that that studio. What's really nice is they have all of the individual rooms, um, where like, uh, like Marcus King did an awesome fucking a bunch of live takes there. But it's like they have like if you're playing bass, right? Carl, me and Carl can be in the same room, but our amps are in a fucking room that's super yeah. far away. So we're all looking at each other with our headphones and we're vibing. And the yeah. only one that's separated is Ben, but it's like a big glass room, so we can still see him, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That seems super fun to me because I really had a blast when we did uh, we did these things for uh, for PBS at that studio, and I was like, fuck, man, they'd be so cool. That's how capital is. Capital is like a big circle. And then around it, they have ISO booths. So you can all like, you could have, and that's the way, you know, that the track on the capital track was the very first practice take without a click is the one that we kept. No and shit. Yeah. That's, that's the one they hadn't even played it. But one time, man, it was like fucking, but here you have Lee Sklar on the bass who's played with, I mean, if you look up Lee Sklar, it's like, Oh yeah. Bill Collins, James Taylor, it's like, you know, and he's the sweetest, nicest, badass bass player, you know, but it was, it was, man, there's, you know, it's all about your goal too, when you're going into it, meaning that like, if you go in to record an album, and you don't have a target, and you don't know what the bullseye is, and you don't have a goal, you're never going to know when you get there. Yeah. And and that's a, and it's like I know you know the feeling of just recording and being like, I don't know, you know, I'm, hmm, let me think. I don't know, maybe that's cool. Yeah, it sort of sounds good, but and that usually comes from not knowing what you were going for in the first place. Yeah, dude, I'm like because we have a week there, you know, my plan is that I want to run these sessions like super fucking structured so it's like the first 3 days we get everything we need. And then we have four days to just be like, all right, let's sprinkle crack. You know, now let's get weird and creative, you know? Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of different ways to do it. You know what I mean? I, one way that I like too is, is uh, you can do it that way. But the thing that, the thing that you're, this is one thing that you could lose out on by like saying, getting all the basics the first three days and then coming back. There's something about it. If you, if you do go song by song, you're able to like keep a vibe and you're sure. able to, and you're able to not lose that, which you can do it a bunch of different ways. But I've, I really like, I really like the song by song. And like, literally once we finish that song, it's finished. Yeah. And there's, that is there's, cool. there's some, there's a, there's some liberation. Like there's something really nice about, about being able to just like, you know, stay in that vibe till it's done. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see uh, see how it all goes, dude. I keep saying that this is like my working man's dead, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, the Grateful Dead was like known for being this like crazy psychedelic band, and then they fucking disappeared into a ranch in California and came back with a country <laughs> record. Yeah. That's awesome, but dude, man, that's the great thing about like what you're doing. Are you you self you guys self producing it and just just yeah, I'm producing it. Dude, and the great well, thing about I, I'm gonna release it with with the help of so I, I have two offers on the table and I can't discuss which one I'm gonna take yet, but I'm gonna release it with a label. Sure. Um, but, but you're I'm, gonna produce the I'm record producing yourself. It. Yep. Can you hear me? Now I can. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> is that like, dude, like each time you go and produce a record, you're going to have the last time you did it this way or that way. And you'll be able to like work and move of saying, you know what, I'm going to try it this way. And then after you make 10 or 15, then you're like, you have a good sort of toolkit of experience to say, this worked better this way and that way. So it's, yeah. uh, it should be, it's going to be interesting, man. I'm, I'm excited for you guys. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm pumped. We Are you guys do, bringing, uh, you bringing gear into the studio? Well, bro, into I the have, house. I have, you're bringing gear in. I, huh? Yeah. I have all of our shit that we tour with. Right on. You know? So yeah, we're just going to bring everything. We'll get, you know, a whole bunch of mics and fucking boards and the whole nine. We're going to just turn this barn into a studio. And then we're also, uh, the videographer and photographer that I'm hiring is a black belt in, uh, in jujitsu. So I'm going to set up a whole bunch of mats in the barn too, so we can fight every morning. <laughs> Don't be fucking breaking your hand before yeah, you right? play the fucking guitar, man. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm super pumped about the whole thing. I wish it, I wish it so was sooner. So when, when are you, when are, when are you planning on doing that? September 9th to the 16th. So it's coming up. Super close. Yeah. Dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you my record for you to check out. I can't wait out. to hear it, dude. I'll send you shit as I'm making it too. I love, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love that everyone's creating right now, man. Hey, so are you putting your next record out with Ineffable, or did you just do these man, singles with them? So, um, so I I didn't put this even the single out with Ineffable, but I'm managed by Ineffable. Oh, nice. So so I brought um, Ryan Owens on, who oh, I had I had known Ryan for booking for years and stuff, and I, I met him, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago, and Ryan's always been a brother and helped me out. And so when this whole thing happened with Lincoln, I knew I needed some help to, to organize my, my battle plan, you know, of how I was going to make the most of this. So I brought Ryan on and uh, I released the album under Melboat, which is still Jimmy Buffett's label. So it's sort of like, it's cool because I get, um, you know, I'm getting the bonus of working with Ineffable and uh i'm also getting the bonus of working through mailboat and their network and stuff like that and it's two different it's two different completely worlds it's ineffable so cool because they're like the modern database sort of like badasses that i'm i'm totally fucking inspired by yeah, adam gross by T by thomas by yeah. all the all the guys dude they're like they're on it man yeah they're badasses ryan owens is fucking they're all on it and uh, Igor, all of those dudes really got it going on, and I'm excited to be working with them in, in, in this way. Um, but yeah, man, so that's what I'm doing. It's sort of like a little combo deal with Melboat and Ineffable. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, dude. Well, um, I'm glad we got a link, dude, and uh, I, hope, uh, I hope we can play shows together soon. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, for sure. I hope, we can, I, I, hope, I hope we can play shows at all, man. Period, yeah. <laughs> It'd be yeah, great dude. to play with you. What's your, uh, what's, your, what's your prediction? Here's my prediction. Is I believe that next year we'll play shows and people will just wear masks at shows. Um, and that will just be a new normal for a while as people are going to gather and just wear masks. There's no masks, bro, next year. You, you don't even think so? Yeah, no. I'm kind of getting that vibe too already, man, of like uh, that people just are kind of over it. Yeah, um, there's going to be a bunch of people dying, and yep. it's, it's sad, and I, I, I don't know what to do. I wear my mask. My wife's immune compromised, and I take it as seriously. I believe in science, but yep. I, can't, I can't make someone do anything, bro, and it's their yep. decision. It's like you could, I protect my family. We have N20, N95 masks, 
And uh, I don't think that I really I believe that a vaccine's going to come, and a lot of people are going to get it. A lot of people won't, but we're just going to incorporate this just like the flu. Yeah, you know, I, I don't go around worrying about the flu. Yeah, me either. I mean, and it kills it kills a bunch of people. I'm not saying that this is the same thing. Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna look at it like it's the same thing. Well, here's the thing too, dude. Is 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 it is kind of comparable in this way that prior to having uh, Tamiflu, you know, the flu used to murk motherfuckers every year, every year, every year it was getting. Yeah, people. I, I never worried about it. Me either. <laughs> Me either. Well, and and the thing is too is that it's like unless you are immune compromised or super young or super old, the flu isn't probably gonna fuck with you. And even if it is. You can go in and you get Tamiflu and you're like, okay, cool. I'll be fine in a couple of days where it's like, you know, we're going to get there. The, the science and the people like there's, I can't imagine that there's a fucking, you know, a lab in the world that isn't working on it. So yeah, it's going to um, come. We're going to have a vaccine and, and all or even old- a treatment, even a promising, promising treatment, you know? Yeah, totally, man. Totally. I'm, uh, I'm hopeful and I'm praying all the time about it, you know? So, yeah, that's all we can do. Well, um, we should ha- we should hop on. I'd like to have you on again, man. Um, and yeah, bro. Yeah, I'd love so, it. Yeah. Well, thank it. you so much for giving me your time, man. And uh, and I look forward to uh, to hearing your new music and keeping in touch with you. And uh, my wife sends uh, all of her love to you and your whole family. Thank you, thank you, man. And, we send uh, our love to y'all. Cool. Well, let's talk soon, bro. Send me that music. I will do, bro. Thanks, Love you. I gotta quit hitting fucking stop before we're done saying bye to each other. It's always like, all right, where it should be like, all right, see you, man. Take care. End. But I always preemptively hit end because I don't want the awkward seven second Zoom stare. Anyway, I hope you dug that episode. Next week on the podcast. Oh, shit, I forgot. Next week on the podcast is Lindsay Lou, not Carl. I'm going to record one with Carl, and maybe that will come out first. I don't know, either Carl or Lindsay Lou. There's a phenomenal musician out of Nashville named Lindsay Lou. I've been very obsessed with a couple of her records. We've never spoken. I know nothing about her other than she's made a few great records that I really enjoy. And it'll be the first time that I've had someone on the podcast that I don't know. So I'm kind of excited about that. But more excited to have Carl on. Because I have no idea what's going to happen, and I'm setting no fucking time limit we're going rogan style we're gonna get into some outrageous stories probably of when we lived together in our youth in our early 20s uh when debauchery was the name of the game and alcohol was king anyway uh i love you guys and i hope you're doing good and i really really appreciate you listening to the podcast and as always like share you know take a screenshot of you listening to the shit and put it on your instagram or snapchat or whatever the kids are doing these days. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Love you guys. Hope you're awesome. And uh, we'll see you next week with either Carl or Lindsay Lou. Take care.